Hey everybody and welcome to Listening at the Orange Door. Uh, my name's Leanne Butterworth from Lose Your Mind and today we're talking all things empathy and policing with Kelly McCauliffe from the Queensland Police Service. Um, talking about the three levels of empathy, which is empathy for the public in this case, empathy for each other, so colleagues and co-workers, and then empathy for self as well. So really looking at what the QPS is doing to enhance mental health um, across the board. So for all of their members, for the public, um, yeah, really sort of tapping into what's happening at the moment with the Queensland Police Service. It's a really interesting conversation with Kelly and I hope you stick around and listen in. This is Listening at the Orange Door and today we're talking to Kelly McAuliffe who I met with when she... Did you still, you were still a police officer, but you were, so give us a bit of an intro into who you are and how we've sort of come to be here today. Done. All right. So yes, um, Queensland police officer, have been for 23 years. Uh, when we met, I was on what we call a career break, where you can take um, time out, leave without pay, um, go and explore um, other horizons that are out there, immerse yourself into other areas. Some people might go out and do study. Um, but you still have a job to come back to. Um, so for me in that period of time, obviously I went out and just consulted and did some public speaking in that um, connecting an intergenerational workforce space, which is where my passion is, that whole human to human connection, yeah, cool. which when you look all the way back to 23 years ago, when I joined, most people joined the police to help people in some way, shape or form. So, you know, your career morphs in and out throughout that time. I was very much a frontline operational focused officer. Then I went into the um, child protection area. Yeah, wow. Um, and all of it, all along the way, is about helping, helping people, uh, victims of crime, um, helping rehabilitate um, with feral agencies. Um, and then it all comes now. My role now is more focusing internally on our members to help them to be the best possible version of themselves when they go out and serve the people of Queensland. Yeah, wow. So you say members meaning um, st like QPS staff? Is that what you mean by members? Yeah, so staff being, so we have about 15,500 um, members all up. Um, yep. And out of that, we've got a, it's um, probably about a 70% sworn component. So police who have gone through a police academy swearing an oath. And then we've got a 30% component of unsworn members who undertake a variety of roles to support the work that, that the police do. So we, we couldn't operate without them supporting us. Yeah. So what is it you're doing now in, in your role now that you've come back? Because you've only been back for sort of a month or something, haven't you? Yeah, for, this is my fourth week back. Um, okay. So I'm still in the mobility space, so that, that um, digital technology future space, innovation space. So essentially our, our goal now is to look at how we police, um, look at what service we provide to the community of Queensland, look at the demand that we're um, trying to meet and work out how we can do that better, um, how we can make that a more efficient process, how we can uh, reach out across government to share with other agencies who have touch points to the, the matters in which we deal with. And then more so for our officers within, how do we make their job simpler, better and safer so that they can go out and do what they need to do without being bogged down with red tape or bureaucracy or um, those little frustrations that creep in from day to day, which might take away from the true person that they are. If they're going out to a job and they're frustrated by um, red tape, well, they're not able to give the best version of themselves to the members of the public that they're dealing with. Yeah. And I guess it's breaking down 
and examining how you guys got to this point because obviously red tape is important and forms are important and all that sort of stuff but if it's gotten to the point of interfering with the job the person the service delivery the mental health then yeah it would make sense yeah. to re-examine that that's right and it is as you said touch on it there's a, there's a place for it and there's a reason for it uh, i think what we've got to be mindful as a, a large organization moving forward and trying to keep up to speed with pace of change is the the checks and balances that we had to put in place five ten fifteen years ago are they still relevant today yeah do they need to be refreshed revised is there any need for them at all or are there new areas of concern that we need to be focusing more on um, and that's everything from, you know, our day-to-day -day tasks to our day-to-day well-being um, to our interactions and partnerships with other areas. Everything needs to be reviewed, refreshed and, and constantly um, changed to meet the new demands that we're, we're all getting confronted with. Yeah, so I guess there's new demands, but is there also a, a greater focus now on the individual well-being of um, members? Absolutely, yes, yeah, most definitely. And, and a very big um, deliberate approach has been made by our organisation in the last probably two and a half years now with a deliberate strategy of Our People Matter, uh, which is really recognising and focusing on the um, physical and psychological well-being of our people. Um, because if that's not right, then they can't uh, serve members of community. Uh, the, to the best way possible and it's about realizing that the work that we do the continual exposure to um, critical stressful draining incidents it becomes accumulative and it does impact our people and it impacts them all in different ways some of them have their own mechanisms some of them need assistance with those mechanisms yeah so why has that become a focus then because to me that seems like it should have been obvious the whole way through is that a few people sort of waking up and going, no, 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 we need to do this better? Or was that something that's happened or some sort of stat that's caught someone's attention? Mm. Look, it's always been a focus. It's probably been uh, a covert focus in the past. It's now more overt focus. Yeah, okay. It's an environment of um, a safer or perceived um, safer environment to, to speak up and to speak out. So yeah. obviously... Uh, chain of command culture that we're in it's a very um a type personality sort of you, you need to be tough you need to um, deal with what you're dealing with the realization is that the fact of the matter is people don't have to deal with what they're dealing with without um, supports on the side and yeah. it is okay to put your hand up and say you know what i'm struggling i'm not doing so well here um, but it's about changing the, the conversation that we're having and the the safety within the environment we're providing that says we're here to help um, but it's about getting us to not only wait for someone to put their hand up, but giving officers the, the strategies and the skills to be able to have those conversations of, are you okay? Yeah. And if it's a, no, actually I'm not. Okay. Well now what do I do with that? How yeah. do I help that person? Because and we do that very well externally. Yeah. It's now turning that focus internally. And that seems to be, I think that's where you and I connected is because mm. that's the space that I play in is how do you get people to have those conversations when they're dealing with so much themselves and yeah. sometimes there's that barrier to actually listening to somebody and mm. feeling empathy. So do you guys use the word empathy in what it is that you 
do internally because we talk about three levels of empathy so there's empathy for um so for you guys it would be the public so that's your external yes. internal with your colleagues and then empathy for self so that's self-care self-compassion self-love yeah um do you use that language in the police yeah more so now um it's never been as um as clear as that Previously, there's always the talk about the communication, levels of communication and the understanding um, that's required to perform this role. Yeah. Specifically calling those three layers of empathy, um, not specifically, no, um, but there's a lot more focus on that now. Um, because as you would know in your work, a lot of people are very good at giving out, but not giving in and focusing on themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's been a very big um, catalyst for turning. Uh, and it's also a realisation that, um, you know, police suicides are increasing every year, and, and that's not okay. It, suicides across the, the globe are increasing, and that's not okay. Yeah. Um, so it's really about stepping in, providing the um, referral pathways, providing the ears to listen, actively listen, and realising that we need to be um, providing human-to-human -human contact. We can fall very easily into the trap of task, 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 yeah. control, control, control. So we've slowly got to augment our leadership style from a control, um, command and control to a care, to actually consider listening and, and um, offering assistance, offering help, rather than being reactive once that officer's hit rock bottom and, and he's in desperate need of assistance. Yeah. So it's a real control to care model of thinking so from leadership needed. Because like you said, you guys don't come into this. And the police officers that in, in the states that um, I've had come through the course, whenever I say to them, why are you a police officer? Most of them don't go, because I want to lock up bad guys. Like, mm -hmm. you touched on it. It's a very human, caring. That's why you got into this. Like, Absolutely. is that the majority across the board with the QPS as well? Like. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, people wanting to help. But I think it's very easy over the years um, to forget your true purpose, your true cause, why you were here, why you were doing that. And it's about bringing people back to that. Exactly what you're saying is, you know, go back to why you're here. Why did you choose to sign up to do this work, knowing right from the get go, it wasn't going to be easy. And then tap back into that emotion that 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 daring to care and leading with your heart that's why you're in this job so if you've changed what needs to change back to reflect your purpose yeah so what sort of what sort of um changes have you seen lately then in guys and girls coming back Look, to I, that yeah I, I think the um for us specifically the the conversation space is very different now um it the there used to be an old um stigma of uh, I would look weak if I put my hand up and said I wasn't coping with what I'd seen out on the road or what I was dealing yeah. with. Uh, whereas that mindset's changing, that perception, that environment is not there anymore. Um, it's very much a, an open environment that says, if you need support, support is there. How can we help you? Um, and people are more comfortable to speak up. And I think that's a general across the community and across all areas. Conversations are a lot easier to have those uncomfortable conversations that people didn't want to raise or talk about. It was easier just to turn a blind eye and not acknowledge what was actually happening. Yeah. That's a big flip that we're certainly seeing. And I, I think that a lot of that comes to do with the, 
we, you know, we've now got four to five generations of policing within our one organisation. Yeah. So as the generations change, the the free narrative of conversation is changing. People are happy to talk about their feelings now, whereas yeah. historically you left your feelings at, at home when you walked to work or there was a bucket at the door that said emotions. You were supposed to put them in there and not take them into work. Yeah. And as you and I know, that that's not possible. There's no. there's no such thing as a turning them on, turning them off. Some people are just better at hiding them or pushing them down yes. to their own detriment. So when do you then um, look at the other relationships, which I guess for you guys is not co-workers, uh, public and um, self, but there's also that family aspect as well. Like mm. how do you, if the conversation's changing and people are changing at work and they're changing with the public, how do they change those conversations at home as well? Because they would be really, I guess, ingrained into, well, this is what we talk about. This is what we don't talk about. I'm allowed to ask. I'm not allowed to ask. So how do you sort of, I guess, educate people that aren't in the workplace? Yeah. So the part of the Our People Matter strategy is a, a whole person it's the whole family so it's rather than just and they identify we can't just work with the officers themselves we need to bring the whole family along oh, for wow. this new part of what we're doing which has been really really good so when there are <clears throat> special events on or special speakers that come in or um there might be a particular activity it's no longer just open to the staff member or family members are welcome to come along so they get a snippet of what it is actually like for their loved one in that workplace because some officers don't go home and don't talk about work. Yeah. Or some officers have a partner who's not also in the police, so therefore the, the the full understanding is not there. So we've opened up that mindset to anything that happens with any of our officers involves their whole life, their uh -huh. whole people inside and outside of this job. And, and that's extended as far as our new flexible work arrangements is you know, historically the perception was if you were a, a mother with young kids under school age, you were the ones who were eligible for part-time. Mm. Whereas now anyone for any reason within our organisation can make an application for a flexible work arrangement. Um, and that's that has really um, changed the narrative conversation or the, um, the stigma around part-time. So we now have a number of male officers who are working in a part-time or a flexible work arranged capacity. So there's a lot of little things that are happening over the last couple of years that are really making that change. It's changing the, um, the safe environment to have conversations. Yeah. It's no longer a fear to approach your boss and say, I'd like to um, reduce my hours. Um, it's, a, it's a given. If you would like to, you're allowed to. Yeah, it was wow. more... Just say no, it had to be a very good reason to say no as opposed to a very good reason to say yes. Yeah. So there's a lot of work happening in that space. A long way to go still. It's a slow burn cultural change, any form yeah. of cultural change. Generational changes are needed still in some regards. What but, are the barriers the that you're finding? Um, I think it's just set in their ways. Um, people who came through a particular process or a particular system, that's the way it was for them. Um, it worked for them. It's worked for many others. There's no need to change. Um, a lot of people don't fully understand sometimes that people are, in fact, whole people outside of work. And a lot of people have a lot going on in their private life. Yeah. And we, as leaders and managers, need to be considerate and understand that. And I think how, realising that. How yeah. do you then explain that to them in sort of a benefits? How do you sell someone who's maybe been there for years and years and set in their ways and thinks, eh, whatever, this is just that empathy is that hippy dippy 
Like nice yeah. to have that doesn't change me on the front line. I'm still dealing with X, Y, and Z. So how do yeah. you, I guess, sell Cause it's really hard to change someone's beliefs. Yeah. How do you change that? And what sort of language do you use with people? It's regular language is what's important. It has to be consistent. It's not one, okay, we're going to do one campaign and that will change everybody. It's conversations that need to have be had regularly. And they're also conversations. Um, sometimes you can't get people to do things the way you want them to do them just by giving them training. But if we start to storytell and yeah. give real life examples, yeah. give people an, an experience, a feeling, tap into that emotional side, um, then you tend to get that better connection. And that's what's starting to happen. We've got a number of different officers in our organisation who have been incredibly brave and courageous, speaking up very openly oh, about wow. their battle with depression, their battle with um, an IVF process, their battle with a, a partner with cancer, where they're now um, platforms where they are speaking about that and sharing those stories with others who may never have considered or opened their mind up to understand what that would be like to actually make that sit there and feel uh, an emotional connection to, wow, that's, that's hardcore, that must be yeah. tough. Yeah. And that's the, what seems to be um, having some really good um, benefits and, and, and is working for a lot of our people. Yeah, and you wow. know what, at the end of the day, there'll be some that will never change. Yep. And, and, you know, why focus on that? Let's focus on the majority. Let's give the why as to why it's important that we move forward as a progressive organisation. Yeah. because it's for the greater good of everybody. Yeah. Um, I know for me personally, I'll, I'll, I'll tap into, well, you know, I'll, I'll storytell quite happily and I don't have, you know, significant stories, but any sort of story of value that can help someone else around me, it, it lets them to realise that, you know, you're not the only one who's um, struggling and it's okay to, for a period of time, to have that period of disruption. Yeah. And I think as leaders, we need to learn and understand that our our people that we care for in our teams will have periods of disruption. That's life. Yeah. But normally those periods of disruption are short lived. Yeah. So if we put a, the right support around them at the right time, what could have been a protracted three year struggle of a disengaged employer and a member yeah. can be significantly reduced with an element of understanding, listening, support. What do you need to get through this? How can we help you? Yeah. Um, reduces that that period of disruption. You therefore remain connected with your staff. They uh, offer the support that they need and we get them back into the workplace where they want to be whilst their family side is going well as well for them. So it's that understanding. It comes back to listening and understanding. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess um, that's where that alignment between you and I as well because I give people the experience of what it's like to have a severe mental illness. Um, yes. And a lot of people have never had any interaction with that at all. And mm. I mean, I had one police officer in the States who said, oh, after the workshop, he was um, interacting with somebody who he knew had a diagnosis of something. He used the word schizophrenia. He thinks that what it was, but he knew that she was talking to lots of different people. And instead of trying to get her to focus, he just said, hey, who are you talking to? And it, and he, he said, just sitting and being calm and being curious about her experience meant yep. that she was so much more likely to interact. Like he didn't use words like I deal with these people, like these distancing <laughs> words, these judgmental words. It's no, no, no. Like 
I interact with someone. We know someone who has these issues yeah. and it's when you stop and you listen and you take the time to get to know the human as a human mm-hmm. that, yeah, he said he had an amazing response from her just in her level of energy because of the level of his energy that he brought to the conversation as well. Perfect. Um, and happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, so if we're talking about, I guess, that colleague relationship and the family relationship, there's sort of two yeah. others that I want to explore. Like, what do you guys do and encourage, apart from maybe the flexible workforce, to, to really get that sense of self and self-empathy and self-care? Um, mm-hmm. What sort of things do you guys put in place or communicate? Yeah, so there's constant constant messaging that comes out for us um, in, a, in a range of different forms. So we have uh, something as simple as screensavers that flash up that will talk and remind people about health, importance of health checks, importance of exercise. Um, we'll have general um, notification that emails that go out to everybody about particular um, days we're having. There's a blue surf, learn to surf day at oh, the okay. moment where and take yourself and your family down to um, the alley at Corumban and, and, and learn how to surf. Um, there's uh, group fitness sessions. A lot of people now have got equipment at their stations where at the end of the shift, the team will get together. So the bonding outside of that work, um, still in the work environment, but it's not the work itself. It's actually challenging each other to better themselves. We do step challenges. Um, lots of teams internally do their own little things, but we're also now doing a statewide, like we'll run a challenge at the moment where every district around the state, it's the, how many steps the team can get for the month. So they register and they compete oh, against lovely. each other. Yeah. So just little things that promote fitness. And at the moment we've got the, um, you know, the Red Cross blood donation van yeah. across the road from our main headquarters yeah. and the notification goes out and there's always a challenge between the three emergency services, which emergency Touchy. service will give the most blood during the month of October or whatever it yeah. might be. Um, so a lot of those little things, we do Movember, so there's lots of yeah. challenges there. Um, but we also talk about when some of our family, um, blue family, are suffering illness and we might be raising money for them um, for a you know, particular family who's got young kids going through some significant um, health issues. So we talk about that information as well, which brings back the reality of life that, yeah. you know, we might come to work and put on a blue shoot and, suit and go out and protect people. But when that blue suit comes off, there's a real little family at home that might actually have been struggling and be in need. Um, and we support each other in that regard as well. Yeah. So there's lots of little different things that are more and more um, frequent and, and the uptake is increasing as well. Yeah, because I think as well that that messaging um, in terms of self-care, because I think some places try to do like, yeah, we do lunchtime yoga, but mm. that, but that has to be backed up by conversations and knowing that you matter. And that's why the sound of it is making everybody across the board in your organization and QPS know that Mm. they matter. Um, And you're doing that through conversations and through listening and through having better Mm. conversations of going, you're worth my time. You're worth me listening to your story is important. Um, And then reinforcing that with the fitness and things like that, rather than just going, well, you should all be fit. You know what I mean? No, yeah, so by the sound right. of it, there's that, that much more holistic approach that, that you're taking as opposed to, I've worked in some places where it's like, like you all need to do this. And you're like, 
Oh, thanks. That's another thing mm. to do. Cheers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like on top of everything else. Yeah. It's about providing the opportunity to do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. that real you matter. Like mm. you are important. You matter um, to your colleagues, to your family, to the public, to yourself. Um, mm. That's a really, I guess, refreshing way to look at it. Um, as opposed to, hey, do your job, stay here till 3 a.m., but we're going to offer you yoga on a Friday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So then in terms of the public, because what you guys <laughs> seem to be doing internally is really, like I said, holistic and beautiful and early stages, but, hey, <laughs> you're getting there. Um, yeah. Then in terms of the public, is there a difference then in perception between how maybe the public views the police and how you guys are starting to view yourselves internally and how do you, I guess, bridge that gap? Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. For, for a number of years now, our um, public satisfaction surveys on policing is always up around that 80% mark. So for a, for a state as big as ours, that, that's, that's quite a significant wow. level of satisfaction, trust, um, belief. In, in our police service. Yeah. There's always going to be that element out there, um, the disruptors, the rebellions, the, the, the criminals that uh, will always have that warped perception of us. But I think now as a policing organisation, we're really moving back towards that preventative model of policing rather than being constantly reactive. It's about involving the community a lot more, um, tapping into uh, other community groups that can be advocates for police as well. Because whilst there's um, some naysayers, there's a lot of people out there that are very thankful for the work that we do. And it's about our officers knowing that when they go to a job, any job they go to, that is an opportunity to have a positive interaction with a member of the public. Now, that might be something as simple as pulling over a car for an RBT for a random breath test. You've got that driver there. Now, if that driver's got three kids in the car and they've all got seatbelts on, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, g'day, how you going? Good to see you've got your seatbelts on in the back, kids. Road safety's important. Aww. Taking that extra air out. Uh, you know, extra minute and a half just to engage with a conversation beyond the task that they've pulled that car yes. over for. Yeah. It's those little things and those, the wave to the kids at the shopping centres as they walk past and see the blue uniform. And it's little interactions here and there, the little things that matter yeah. that make the, the bigger result for the better. Yeah. So, and look, there's some officers that are much better at that than others. There's um, officers that that's their salt, their crime prevention world, and they, they do an amazing job to lift that profile. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, any interaction that we have with a member of the public is an opportunity to leave that conversation, that interaction with a positive vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Even if it is a negative interaction to start with, there's no reason why that can't be turned around. Um, yeah. and, and I think that's just about us being, realising that, uh, or people realising we're human beyond the uniform. Um, yeah. We are most, most, if not all, have families at home of one, some way, shape or form. Yeah. And that we're doing the job that we signed up to do to help. Um, not yeah. to, as you say, not just to go out and lock up baddies. Yeah. I once, um, I once may or may not have gotten a speeding ticket. Um, <laughs> Join but, the club. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. But... <laughs> I got it wrong. I thought it was 110 cycles, only 100. But the, the officer sort of was on behind me on his bike. And I'm like, how do you know if it's actually you? 
and yeah, it was me. So then he pulled me over and I wound down the window. I went, shh, and I shushed this officer because there was a, um, my three-month-old was asleep in the back. He's <laughs> like, I'm sorry. He's like, the sleeping baby, shush. And he, we had the rest of the conversation in, in whispers. And it was oh, so sweet. <laughs> and he's like, still getting the ticket. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but I'll whisper while I ride it. He whispered while he gave me the ticket. Yeah, um, yeah. But just little things like that. Like, yeah, we're all human. And yeah. it should be human before anything, before a uniform, before a rank, before a whoever, before a Mr. and Mrs. It's human to human connections. Yeah. Because you guys mm. have that added hurdle as well of, I mean, we've all seen a police officer driving behind us and you get that immediate adrenaline rush or you see, mm. like you make eye contact with a police officer and you go, oh shit, what did I do? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Um, yeah. yeah. So you've got that immediate adrenaline rush. So mm. yeah, I think like you said, it's those that being human first and your role second, but how else can you guys get over those hurdles? I think you sort of touched on a, a couple. Yeah. It's, I think it's like what you talked about before. It's the energy that you bring. So yeah. that, that interaction can go really well or really badly by the energy that's come. So as soon as that officer walks up to the, the window of that car, whatever energy they're bringing, to meet the energy that's coming out of that car, that, that's, a, that's a really critical point. So that's, again, that comes down to our basic communication skills. And we, yeah. we work um, all the way through our training with our officers on the importance of that communication, you know, using those behavioural staircase models where we're establishing that rapport and assessing and, and not going too high before we can, you know, once you go up, it's very hard to come down. Yeah. Okay. So they're regular and constant reminders. But as um, supervisors and, and leaders and, and officers in charge of stations, there's a responsibility there for the people that they care about in their stations to identify that, you know what, Leanne's not doing so well at the moment. I wonder what that, how that's going to carry out when she's out in the car interacting yeah, with gotcha. the public. Yeah. So it's about being fully aware of yeah. and knowing your people understanding yeah. but knowing your people and knowing if that's not the normal vibe that I get from Leanne when she walks into work, yeah. knowing that, you know what, it's okay and it's really my responsibility to go over and say, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? Can I help you? Yeah. You, you don't seem as bubbly as, as normal. Is there something that I can help you with? How can I support you? Yeah. As opposed to just not, not even, you know, letting that register and pushing that person back out, back out, back out, and then yeah. bang, they have an, an explosion and, and things go bad. Yeah. So it, again, it comes back to listening, to caring, and really to knowing your people. Yeah, because I think, I guess two things there. When um, I mean, when we talk about mental health and mental illness, like you said, with bringing your energy, it's we kind of explain that a lot of people who are struggling with even things as extreme as psychosis, they're scared, they're mm. afraid of their own mind. They might appear angry, but they're actually really afraid. And so the right. energy that you bring to someone who is afraid is mm. very different to the energy that you bring to someone who you think is angry. Yes. So yep. it, it's that, yeah, checking your own energy, like you just said. But I think as mm. well, like for you guys to have those conversations when you're in such extreme circumstances that it makes sense for you guys to be so caring and so empathetic and, and that's, mm good and makes perfect sense but I think people kind of forget that you don't have to be in extreme circumstances in order to actually have those conversations like 
you can be in finance, you can be in law, like a lawyer, you can be in all of those and it still have days where it's too much. You can, yes, definitely. like you still bring the 80% of all the garbage you're going on. Like you can be a lawyer going through a divorce. You can be a school yes. teacher going through a divorce. You can be a police. You know what I mean? Like you don't have yes. to have yes. a traumatic job no. in order to really have these relationship building, empathetic, listening, observant, caring, loving skills in a workplace. Mm. Like it's not like, oh, well, we don't deal with X, Y, and Z. So I can just come to work, do my job, be an asshole and go home. Yeah. Um, nope. <laughs> it doesn't work that yeah. way. No, um, you're exactly right. Sometimes parameters need to be set with that though. People have behaved poorly for so long that it becomes the norm and others say, oh, no, that's just Billy, that's just Kelly, that's just whoever. Yeah. That's the way they are. Well, the way they are in the workplace, behaving like that is not okay. There's yeah. acceptable behaviours and non-acceptable behaviours in the workplace. And we all have that responsibility. It starts with us as in each and every person's individual presence um, persona and what they give out. Yeah. But if someone's behaving poorly and they're left to continue to behave poorly, well, questions need to be asked. Why is that behaviour being allowed to to carry on yeah and you're right that's anywhere, anywhere and that's a top-down approach as well like if a manager's going yeah. eh, too hard you should just talk to HR yeah. Yeah. then you've got to keep looking up the food chain for that sort of thing as well and I think it also comes down to like how you measure success in a team like if you've yes. got high satisfaction low turnover and a decent work output as opposed yeah. to we have awesome output but people are leaving and they hate yeah. it yeah. But that person then gets promoted because, hey, they're making more money. Yeah. So it's looking at how you... So are you guys changing? Like, is there any sort of measures or anything that you're starting to um, do in that respect? No, look, I think it, I think at the moment it comes down to individuals still. There's, a, there's lots of language around um, acceptable workplace behaviours and things like that within us. Um, but it's really, it's, it's now becoming a daily conversation. Yeah, awesome. It used to be a, a, a once you do a performance review or you tick a box or you do there, it's really being embedded into everyday conversation, everyday practice in a workplace. It's not okay on a Wednesday to be, you know, an absolute ass about something. Yeah. You've got to be pleasant and, and, and work to a standard all the time. It's choose kind. Yeah. It's not hard to be nice to people and show common yeah. courtesies. We don't expect everyone to, to get on and be best mates, but there's a, a line of acceptable professional workplace behaviour. Yeah. And and if that's not happening, well, there's people that need to be held to held to account for that. Yeah. And we all have a responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And that sort of seems to be um I guess across the board in completely different ways, but people are looking now more at, hey, not did you lose weight, but hey, did you go to the gym every day or did did you mm. eat well every day? It's more about those little processes, those little actions every day that contribute and the number's not as important anymore as are you taking no. care of yourself? Are you, um, yeah, being a good, kind person? Yeah. The rest kind of will happen anyway. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Yeah, wow. So then... Mm. For the people who, I guess, I mean, you've just said that there's an 80% satisfaction survey. What are sort of some of the things that we can do as the public to 
I guess help you guys reduce stigma, make your life easier. Um, mm. Like get out of our own way to, because as much as we're satisfied with the police, I guess people don't sort of still go up and have a chat. Like mm. what is yeah. it that we could be doing different as public to make, I guess, your lives easier and your jobs easier and your, um, be more effective, I guess. So what is yeah, it I, from the public? I guess it's just that, that from the public perspective, realising that we are human yeah. um, and we, you know, we have lives and we have families and sometimes those lives and family situations are problematic. Sometimes they're disruptive. Sometimes they, you know, we're going through really tough times just like they are. Yeah. So it's really that to, to get rid of the us and them mentality, yeah. we are all members of the Queensland community and we're all here living in a great state to try and have have the best possible life that we can. And little things go a long way, like if they've had a positive interaction with an officer, we'll share that good good news story with other friends and other family yeah. members. Yeah. Um, Facebook has been marvellous. Our media team do an awesome job with our external Facebook account. And you see on there some of the amazing comments and, and how thankful people are um, for the work that our officers do. So I, I would say just to, for them to continue doing that, but also not to be afraid to talk up and speak to the right people about um, not so good interactions that they're having. Because if that's a continual thing that's happening, well, we need to know about that because yeah. we can't change things unless we're aware of it. Yeah. Um, and it's not, not, certainly not practices that we would condone. So it's most important that we do know if something's happening that's not appropriate to be happening. And that's how we make a change. But I think just collectively as a community, um, we come together in times of crisis exceptionally well, Queensland as, as a state yeah. and whole. And a lot of the thanks and the acknowledgement and recognition happens m most around those critical instance disaster management times. Yeah. Um, but don't be afraid to, to send in a, uh, an email to the local station if uh, an officer has provided a good interaction or if an officer's gone into your child's school for the day and the kids come home raving about it. Those good news and good thank yous, you know, they lift each and every officer out on the road when they hear that feedback. Hey, who, who are the two that went into Groveley State School this week? Yeah. We just got a good news, a good letter back saying thanks for that. The kids loved it, enjoyed it. It's yeah. those little things that remind you, right, that's why I joined. That's what I'm here oh, for. And Yeah, absolutely. So those little things, you know, we quite yeah. often talk about the negatives, but we very rarely, we're not as quick to praise the positive or the, or the, um, the thanks out yeah. there. Because you guys have that. Yeah. I mean, most people... I suppose when you're in a frontline, when you're in a frontline role, that mm. feedback coming the other way, that empathy coming the other way, it's not all give, 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 give. Um, yeah. That yeah, that's just as that's just as important, and that's for all of us to do. That's Absolutely. not just well, the cops yeah. should be doing this, and yeah, yeah, I mean, as part of the community, that's really important. What you've just said is sort of destigmatizing mm. this role. Um, and yeah, making sure that people do feel valued and visible and important and as though they're doing what it is that their heart desires, which is caring for people and knowing that they have that feedback, um, yeah. that they're doing a good job, um, isn't just yeah. a nice to have. No, and it's no different than another. Like if I go out to a coffee shop and get a really nice coffee made, I'll make sure I thank the barista on the way out yeah, to say, exactly. hey, that was a awesome coffee. Thank you. Yeah. So it's it's we're still providing a service, you know, same thing, compliments to the chef or whatever it might be. So, yeah, don't be afraid to offer offer thanks and, and praise where, where it's warranted. 
Yeah. Well, by the sound of it, you guys are doing some some brilliant work um, with yeah the empathy and interactions with the public with each other, which sounds just beautiful um, mm. and difficult. Like it sounds really difficult, um, yeah. given the level of stress that you have, given what it is that we kind of expect of you guys, what you expect of yourselves, what everybody expects yeah. of you. Um, but also giving yourselves permission to, to be human and to be compassionate yeah. for everybody around you, including yourselves. Um, and That's as it. well as, as well as the families. Um, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, <laughs> and then we've given people something, I guess, to take away as well. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. But we're not yeah. perfect. We're a learning organisation, but we're certainly heading in the right direction and the momentum's rolling and, the, and for the, all the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. And we've used, I mean, both of us, we've used words like listening, value, mm. empathy, yeah. <laughs> um, compassion. Yeah, it's, yeah, understanding, time, um, yeah. gratitude. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's a big part of it as well. Thank you for listening. Oh, Thank yeah. you for sharing. Um, oh, awesome. I love it. Kelly McAuliffe, you're a champion. Um, <laughs> Thank you. We will <laughs> Thanks for the time. Soon. All good. Most definitely. Thanks, Kelly. This has been Listening at the Orange Door. I'm Leanne Butterworth. That was Kelly McAuliffe, and we were talking about empathy in policing today. Um, next time, we're talking about empathy in the arts. So, yeah, musicians, actors, um, and why people in the arts need more empathy for themselves, um, for their co-workers who one day are co-workers and the next day they're opposition. So one day you're working with them, the next day you're auditioning against them. So whew, that one's going to be a really interesting discussion. Um, <laughs> thanks, Kelly. All right, hang on. Bye-bye.